guys. I am so glad to have our special guest with us, Mr. Kelly Price. He's an actor, a musician, a filmmaker. He's the president of Price Productions and co-founder of Wave Motion Pictures. Price recently partnered with The Archer to release his new single and music video, Something Good, on January 25th, 2022, which is available everywhere music is sold. He was awarded the BMI Young Songwriter of the Year in 2010 and received the Abe Omen Scholarship for Excellence in Songwriting from the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Price also has a busy life away from music as he is currently executive producing the feature film Bandit starring Mel Gibson, Josh Jamel, and Elisa Cutberk. Also, Price recently wrapped production on a feature film he wrote, produced, and starred in called Wolf Mountain, which starred Danny Trejo and Tobin Bell. And he executive produced the thriller House of Glass, which was released on November 30th, 2021. He also produced and starred in a comedy, Reboot Camp, which was released on Apple TV on May 4th, 2021. And Price directed and produced the feature documentary On Thin Ice, a social justice-themed sports documentary featuring athletes. And these are some names you guys may know. Um, Allison Felix, Evander Holyfield, Robbie Rogers, Apollo Ono, and Greg Luganis which was released in February 2021 and is available on Apple TV and Amazon Prime. And I'm just so glad to have you here, Kelly, as a guest on Black Canvas. Thank you so much for being here. Well, you guys, I'm so I glad to be here. Kelly earlier and said that um, I know y'all have heard this name before. And I was like, but this isn't the R&B singer, but I'm glad to have him on because Kelly has done a lot of things that I really <laughs> admire. And I want to first start off, if it's okay, we're talking about On Thin Ice. Absolutely. So can you tell me what has been, or do you believe is one of your biggest challenges that you faced or that you believe that athletes have faced um, today? If you can kind of explain, like, what are some of the challenges that you believe that many athletes face today? I mean, not only do I mean, specifically Olympic athletes, right? Like, Everything has to go right for them to be at the line on race day and win that gold medal because, you know, anything could go wrong. If you wake up with a stomach bug, if you, you have a cold, uh, if your legs are a little sore and what are the chances you get to that line and everything is completely fine. I mean, you can run that race nine times out of 10 and be perfect. And then you get to the line on Olympic day and there's some sort of issue, you've got a cramp and you don't win the gold medal. So I just admire that so much about athletes in general and Olympic athletes. And not only do they have to deal with that, but they have to deal with discrimination, which has been an undercurrent in sports for since, you know, since the existence of sports. And uh, you look back at, at uh, the Olympics in the United States, um, figures like Avery Brundage, who is the head of the Olympic Committee and a known anti-Semite. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you look at these stories like the first openly gay athletes uh, in sports first coming out within the last few years. It's, uh, it's, it's a crazy thing to have to go and play the game that you love and not be open about who you are 
to the coaching staff or to the other players and to the fans. Um, it's already enough to get to that line on race day and have everything go right, but also to have in the back of your mind, will I be accepted by my peers if I show my full self and who I am or the religion I practice or who I love? I mean, that is a tremendous burden and responsibility for athletes to carry. And I'm so glad that, uh, that we've become more accepting and, uh, that athletes can now are starting to come out and, uh, show their authentic selves. And we had, uh, in football this past year, uh, that Oakland Raiders player, um, that, that came out, uh, the first openly gay player on football. And I had Michael Sam in my, in my film who, you know, everybody knows Michael Sam and his story and, um, kissing his husband at or boyfriend at the uh, NFL draft, and then um, and then not being picked uh, where he should be, and and just being reduced uh, tremendously in the draft. Um, I think it was like to the ninth round or something like that when he was supposed to go in like the first or second round. So um, it's it's just uh, it's it's something that needed uh, to be told a story that needed to be told. Um, and, uh, we wanted to use this film as a platform for athletes to, um, use their voice and, uh, and yeah. And, 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 um, you know, help the future generations uh, of athletes. Thank you for kind of talking about that openly. I really wanted to really talk about Ellis and Felix for a second as well. And like I said, Michael Sam has definitely been an innovator and a trailblazer for so many people to be able to share and be able to be open and, and out. But I really want to talk about Ellis and Felix for a minute because I know with her being pregnant and recently being in the Olympics and that that was such a big topic. And another topic that I, I want to discuss quickly is like Simone Biles um, with her with mental health and how quickly a lot of people turned on both individuals just based on not even having the knowledge of what was going on. And one thing I always say, because I'm a licensed professional counselor full time. And so when I saw what was going on with Simone Biles and I just saw her just smiling and still supporting her team and she could have left, you know, she didn't have to be there. And I always say, it's like, would I be able to ask my clients, you know, in the street or somewhere and say, Hey, what's your mental diagnosis? If I didn't know that they, you know, were seeing me regularly or didn't know their story. And I just, just because there were someone maybe I saw, is that okay for me to go and ask someone that question? Um, and a lot of times people wanted to know what was the reason, you know, that things have happened. And with Allison Felix, I love that she was able, if I'm not mistaken, did she start her own shoe line, I believe, or a different company she worked with for her shoes? I believe. I believe so. Uh, but she's just done so much great work to give back. And um, she's really doing incredible work with underprivileged kids. And I know she was doing the right to play program in Africa, which uh, was a, a program for athletes to go to Africa and work with underprivileged kids that didn't have the access to, to sports. Um, and she went and did that program. And so she's She's an incredible human being and she's always open to giving back and helping. And that's why I really connected with Allison and wanted her in the film. Awesome. Yeah, I, I've always been a huge fan of the Olympics. I've been watching it since 1996 when they were in Atlanta. And so I've never missed one. And that's my favorite time of the year. So I love the Olympics for sure. Oh, I agree. It's it's an awesome time. And now the Olympics are starting again, the Winter Olympics. So I'm excited. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, I don't miss any of them. So winter, summer, I'm there. 
<laughs> me too, man. Me too. That's awesome. So I want to kind of talk about you being featured in Deadline. Um, can you tell us about your movie, um, Wolf Mountain? Can you kind of explain that movie and who was featured in the movie? Yeah, so Wolf Mountain, uh, that was a movie that, uh, first of all, it stars myself and Danny Trejo, uh, Mr. Machete, <laughs> as we know him. Uh, Danny Trejo was Machete. Um, and uh, Tobin Bell, who was in all the Saw movies. And uh, yeah, so he plays Jigsaw in the Saw movies. And so it was really cool to have like Machete and Saw in a horror movie. Um, so we're really excited about that. And we're just finishing post-production on it. And uh, it's going to be coming out this year. And that's that's a baby of mine and super important to me because I had assembled a producing team for that movie uh, along with my my co-producing partner, David Lipper. And, uh, you know, I, I had been working um, with uh, writers that at, at the last minute it just, it didn't work. And, um, we had to, we were left without a script. It was, it was me and, uh, the other producers that were left without a script. Uh, but we had already assembled the producing team and I said to myself, well, like what now, what do we do now? And the director was like, well, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, I'll write something when I go to Palm Springs tomorrow. And I said, okay, but I was really devastated. And that night, I just, it was like, I was kind of possessed and I just walked up to my desk, sat down and just wrote. And I wrote 40 pages that night and it became Wolf Mountain. And, uh, I finished the script in like 10 days. Um, and it was just a crazy experience where I couldn't go to dinner. <laughs> I couldn't hang out with my family. I literally stayed home and wrote this movie so that we can still uh, be able to make a movie that we set out to do. And, um, you know, I had like a, a crazy deadline on it because uh, the shoot was scheduled for three weeks um, in advance of, of when things kind of fell apart. So I wrote the, the entire script, I think, in a week. And then I just kept refining it and retooling it uh, till we got up to uh, the the first day of principal photography. So that's a special one for me because of the adversity that I faced. Um, and uh, and we ended up making what I think is an awesome movie. So I'm, I'm really, really excited for everybody to see it. Absolutely. I think that is just remarkable. It kind of reminds me of when I was doing one of my books of poetry, like I literally just wrote down like 50 different, you know, excerpts and things that I was thinking. I was like, how do I want this to look? And I did a lot of free verse writing. And then before I knew it, I was like, oh, this might be really cool for a book. And then I just went ahead and put it out there. And and then before I knew it, I had two other ones that just came up in my head. And I think like sometimes when we get really creative, you know, we can really start to build upon that. And and put some great work out there. And I'm so glad you were able to get it done in the time frame that you set. Oh, thank Absolutely. you so much, brother. All right. So this is going to be a fun question, but I wanted your honest opinion on this one. All right. So okay. what are your five favorite films or books that you would recommend for our listeners to read or watch and why?
Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, don't forget to put Wolf Mountain in there. Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Self plug. You can never forget the plugs. Uh, I appreciate it. So, yeah, I guess I'll start with movies. Um, I'm a sucker for sports movies. I always have been. I mean, I'm an athlete myself, and uh, I've got a little basketball hoop in my office that I literally, like, I can't stop shooting hoops. And it's always been an outlet for me. So I I really, really like sports movies. Um, so you're telling me, Kelly, that you want to do a one-on-one? Because, you know, I used to play myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey man anytime i would love it i would love it i would love it so um yeah i think uh i guess we'll start with sports films uh miracle uh that's always been one of my favorite sports films and like every time that uh the coach uh kurt russell's character gives that speech in the locker room and I tear up every freaking time. I, you know, I just, I have a soft spot for, for sports movies and Moneyball. Um, that was such a great film and, and remember the Titans and Invincible and, uh, even 42. And I actually, I'm, I'm working on a, an, another sports film right now. So I, I always love sports films. Um, but, I guess if we're talking about my favorite movies of all time, uh, Ordinary People has always been on that list. Um, I have a little brother myself, and in the movie, the lead character loses his brother in a boating accident. And my brother and I, we grew up fishing and, and surfing and boating. So that just connected with me in such a profound level as a kid. Uh, and it was just an incredible performance by that actor. And, uh, I, yeah, so I highly recommend that film. And while we're on the subject of Robert Redford, cause, um, he directed that film, he directed another film called the, uh, a river runs through it that also, I mean, it's about two brothers that are fly fishing and uh, one of the brothers at the end of, well, I don't want to give anything away, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, a similar I guess in the sense that it's about two brothers and, and mourning the loss of, of, of a brother or loved one. And um, yeah, they're just beautiful, beautiful films. And uh, yeah, so I definitely recommend both of those and um, yeah. And watch uh, Kurt Russell's speech in miracle and see if it makes you cry. Like it makes me cry. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I can tell you a few sports movies that I really enjoy. Well, it's actually, one is a documentary that I really loved. Um, have you seen Unguarded before? You no. need to watch that. It is it is one of the best documentaries I've seen um, in a long time. It's the Chris Herring story. Oh my god! Yeah, I just uh, no, I haven't seen yeah. this. I just uh, looked it up. No, I would love to. Unguarded. I'm telling you, I used to play it a lot when I did groups. And I just love to play it for, especially in a chemical dependency group, because it kind of talks a lot about his addiction and, and, you know, his relationships with his wife and his kids and how, I mean, it was, it was one of the best, I don't want to give it away for you, but it was, it really hits you at the end of it when you see his, pretty much his dynamics change with his family and, and how important sobriety is. It was an amazing, amazing documentary. 
And then there's another documentary. It's not sports related, but it's called A Brave Heart, the Lizzie Velasquez story. And I'm, I've definitely heard oh, of that man, one. That's amazing. That, that to me was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And it talked about bullying. And, and I think that's something that we need to definitely discuss more with cyberbullying and what's going on around the world. Um, but I, I love that story and I follow Lizzie Velasquez online. She's such an inspiring um, young lady. And so I, if you ever get opportunity to watch those two, for sure, I'm going to go far back with other movies. I love Air Bud. <laughs> <laughs> and a funny. You got it. You got to love it. A, a tidbit story on this one is that um, one of our dogs, we had a rescue dog that we took in and we called him Buddy. So I named him after the actual dog so that was how much i loved it uh. <laughs> so that's that's my three and then books um i love um and then there were none um which is one of my favorite books by agatha christie mm, yeah. and then I think of another book there's so many great books i i, I don't want to oh another one i love i love spencer johnson and he's written who moved my cheese and he also wrote um peaks and valleys and he wrote The Present. And so I love Spencer Johnson because he writes in parable forms, um, form. And it really was one of my favorite. If anyone has not heard of Spencer Johnson, I'm telling you, Who Moved My Cheese is such a great book. And it's a short read as well. So those are my books, I would say. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't get into my books. So my books, uh, you were talking about addiction before. And so I actually have a great book. Uh, called What Addicts Know. And I just happened to pick it up. I, th- I, I think I was just, when Barnes & Noble was really big like 10 years ago, I was just, go- I would love to go to the bookstores and I just, I took like three or four books and I went to sit down and I just went through them. And that was just one of the books that I picked up and it was unbelievable. And it kind of discusses how, uh you know, um, addiction, like people that have, that are addicts or that have overcome addiction are some of the most creative people and also some of the most successful people in the world. And the reason being is because of the adversity that they had to face just being off of the alcohol or off of the drug, um, and having to, uh, live their day-to-day lives um, without, you know, something that they're addicted to and having to, you know, make business deals and be successful. And also, you know, because uh, if, if, if they can, if, if it, w- what the book says is that if addicts are like, you know, if, if they can look at their job or their family the same way they were addicted to the alcohol or whatever, um, that it can create an incredible life for them. So it was really an eye-opening book for somebody like myself who had never really been around addicts um, or had any of that really in my family or, you know, dealt with it myself uh, to to kind of really dive in and um, and understand because there's such a negative association sometimes with addicts. And I read this book and I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, it, it makes so much sense. And um, and kudos to anybody who has overcome 
addiction in any way and been able to stay sober because it is just, um, I can only imagine. And, uh, yeah, so, um, that's a really, really cool book. It's a really, really cool book. Um, so I definitely, uh, it definitely changed my life too. It, it, it can help people, even if you're not an addict yourself, it can really help you figure out, you know, attaining your goals and, um, and that kind of thing. And I really took so much from, from the book in, in terms of, you know, just working on myself and my goals and making lists of what I want to accomplish. And it was re- stepping out of your comfort zone, just incredible. So, and, and that author was uh, one of the Kennedys. I'm blanking out on his name. I think it was, um, I'm going to look it up. Because I think it, what was his name? He was just such an incredible author. Um, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. But it was written by a Kennedy, and it was just like an incredible book. So that's one of them. And another one is Siddhartha. Siddhartha was introduced to me by my uncle. And um, it's just about like, you know, finding your purpose and navigating through life and kind of kind of like a Forrest Gump. And I, I really took a lot from stories like Forrest Gump or Siddhartha, like growing up, because it was just kind of like floating around, but having a purpose. I think, you know, like Forrest Gump, he would go from situation to situation, kind of just bump into it. And all of a sudden he's like a millionaire. All of a sudden he's in the army and all of a sudden he's this and just making the most of his life by kind of just falling into these different (laughs) lines of work. But honestly, like he still had a life mission and uh, and he kind of knew what that was and it just followed him around. And I, I take a lot from stories like that. So Siddhartha is also a great, great, great read. Well, I'm going to have to look up both of those books. I hadn't heard of either. So that's going to be for my collection. We're going to do like Oprah. We're going to have our own book collection for the year. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure I add it to my list. That'll be really cool. So I want... I want to ask you a question about one of the biggest misconceptions in your field of work. Can you tell us what's one of the misconceptions that maybe people have or or have said about your line of work? And also, if you can tell us what time of day do you feel is one of the best times of day for you to be productive? Great questions. Great, great, great questions. Um, I always schedule meetings in the morning right after I, I swim at 6 a.m. And then if I have something important, um, you know, I, I usually schedule it in the morning. Uh, not that this isn't important. This is, <laughs> I, love, I love this interview. Uh, this is awesome. But uh, no, I think I'm very, very, very productive in the morning. And it's because I swim and then I just go right into it. And I'm super sharp and swimming's like my meditation. I swim like a mile every single morning and it's not just for the physical aspect of it. It's mainly for the mental aspect of it. Uh, It just, it makes me, it's like meditation for me. My business partner always says, Oh God, we need to figure this out. So you got to go swim (laughs) because after I swim, I always come up with all these ideas and, and uh, any challenges that we have, I always figure them out after I swim. 
And it's definitely important to have something like that, like a meditation or even like shooting hoops or anything that kind of grounds you and helps you to figure things out where there's no Instagram, there's no cell phone, there's no one bothering you. It's just me and the water. And so I take that time very seriously and then I go right into my work. So to answer your question, I think I'm most productive very early in the morning, right after my swim. Um, and uh, your second question was misconceptions yeah, yes, for people yes, in my line of work. One of your biggest misconceptions that maybe someone might think about your line of work that is not true. My line of work. Um, hmm, that's that's an interesting one. Let me think. Um, Kelly, can I give an I mean, there are so there are there are so many misconceptions, I guess, in every line of work until you're you're in there and you really you know, experience it firsthand. I think, you know, if I'm talking about somebody, let's say like in construction or, you know, uh, in, in the medical field or in whatever, I don't know what that's like. So I'm sure I would have many, um, you know, I, I would think certain things that aren't actually true. Um, I think, I guess, I, I mean, I'm not in other people's heads, but I've heard misconceptions with, uh, with actors and, and musicians and all kinds of, um, people in the entertainment field. Uh, but yeah, I, I think honestly, like you have to experience it, uh, to see for yourself, because I think in any line of work, you're, you're going to have every type of person, you're going to have the ego uh, the egotistical one, you're going to have, you know, the, the really nice guy. I mean, in every line of work, you're going to, I, I hope that you're going to have a really nice guy or girl. Um, and, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I, I don't really know, um, specific misconceptions. I just know there's usually, um, you know, there's usually, um, a variety or a plethora of, of different types of people in, in every line of work. You just need to kind of actually experience it because before I was in this business, I, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, and as I've gotten deeper into the business side of things in entertainment, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of different personalities and, um, some great, some not so great. And it's like that in, I think, in any line of work. I agree. I think you answered it perfectly, Kelly. Um, I want to kind of talk about at least dive into the acting and the producing side. Um, I had an opportunity to do some extra work in a few movies, and I'll never forget. I think one of the biggest misconceptions I had was that it was shot in a longer period of time for a lot of movies. And that when you actually were going back to one, which is a term that they use a lot of time. Uh, with acting and I was like oh my god we're back to one again because <laughs> I was so tired by the end of it because literally <laughs> I mean we were getting there at five thirty-six in the morning and we shot and if one thing went wrong we just kept or if they wanted a different angle of the same you know shot so it would go on for 12 to 15 hours sometimes which is amazing now when I think about having that experience for as long as I did but it just was something in the moment. I was like, I thought it was a, it was going to be a longer, you mean like five or six months to shoot where some movies, it can take less than a few weeks and they may have a budget that 
or maybe they're shooting in a certain country and they only have maybe a permit to do something for a limited window of time. So that was one thing I didn't understand. And then when I watched it back and then when you see scenes that you were in and it's like, oh, those scenes weren't didn't make it. And, you know, it's just something like that's something I didn't understand either. How much is on a cutting room floor that doesn't actually make it to the movies or that might actually be a behind the scenes thing that can be seen later. So it was a great moment, but I, I'll just remember that the long days and, you know, I was like, whoa, I didn't know it was like that. So it was really, really fun, but it was just definitely something I didn't understand or know much about. Oh, totally. Totally. The back to one. Yeah. That's <laughs> if you've never heard it before, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> I was, Where do I go? I was like going back to 10. I was like, I want to go back to 10 o'clock while I was in my bed sleep. <laughs> Cause I was like, if I got to go back to one, my legs were, they, they were like, uh, uh-uh, it's time to stop. You you've run in that area about too many times. I was like, Nope, <laughs> but it was fun. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a fun question for you, Kelly. If you could trade places with any person in the world, you get to choose any person for one week, who would you choose and what type of impact do you think you would make if you were in that person's shoes? That is a great question. Um, I mean, the first thing that popped in my head was the president. <laughs> uh, be the president for a day or a week. I mean, I would have no idea what to expect and uh, it would be something that I would obviously never forget. And uh, it would just be so, I feel like insightful and, um, and such an experience. So yeah, I would say being the president for a day, how people look at me, how they treat me. um, It would be such an interesting experience. Um, I would love to be Mick Jagger for a day. I would love to see what that guy's up to. (laughs) (laughs) He would love to know too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That is a funny one. So what you're telling us is you have the moves like Jagger or or no? (laughs) I think I do. I think I do. You know, remains to be seen. I guess... uh, (laughs) I'll have to be Mick Jagger for a day to see if I can rock the same moves that he's rocking. That is cool. Well, you rocked them pretty well in your video. I think you, I think <laughs> the, the video was fun. I, I love, I love seeing people out, you know, go into different elements of themselves. Like there's nothing, no rule that says you only have to do one lane. And so I love that you're able to do so right. many collected things and still make it your own and that people can respect you in both, you know, every facet of who you are. So I think for me, if I had to choose, um, I answered this before and I said Dr. Martin Luther King, and I, there was a reason I said that, and I, I do agree that that would be someone I would love to have been able to stand where he stood, and, and especially in Black History Month and, and you know, adversity and challenges that people have faced, especially people of color, you know, that would be a great role to actually have that moment to sit there and maybe say that I have a dream speech. That would be a great moment for me but I, if I had to choose someone that's living today I would definitely say Tyler Perry and he's from my hometown New Orleans Louisiana and the reason I would choose mm-hmm. him is because I want to know what went into his mind when he decided to you know to create that that film studio and to do this and to just be there with the likes of Sidney Poitier and you know Cicely Tyson and I can name so many 
that he gave them their own kind of star and gave them a lot of accolades that in the time period and when they were acting that they didn't receive. And, and a lot of times in movies from years ago, it was a lot of African-Americans seen in slavery or seen mm. doing, you know, certain types of roles and to see how far we've come and what we've been able to see on television. You know, I just, I just think of that. And like, even the shows he's produced and, you know, Medea, I'm not going to do the Medea edition, you know, cause y'all probably laugh, but, uh, <laughs> but to play different roles, I love that he's <laughs> able to do that. And, and what goes on in his mind. So I would say for a week, I would love to have taken his shoes, especially on the week when he was planning that idea to decide to do that in Georgia and to do that for so many people. Um, I, I just admire what he's been able to accomplish. But I think like people f- forget, like he was selling his DVDs out of his trunk. He was, he was struggling to, to make a name for himself. And, and later as time has progressed, that he's made it to this level in his career. So I just love to see people hit that arc of success and then can still build upon it and find other ways to pay it forward and, and help people who, who maybe never thought they would have a career. And he's given so many um, people, not only people of color, but definitely individuals opportunities that maybe they never dreamed of. Incredible answers. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be, really cool to to stand in their shoes i mean especially the i have a dream my god you know um and i guess you know talking about standing in people's shoes is an interesting thing because then you can look at it like okay well i don't like me i'm just like for me personally i don't usually think about standing in people's shoes like that because i want to be i want to be in my own shoes, but I, I hope and dream to have like the same impact as somebody like, I mean, the people that we're talking about. Um, and, uh, to create something myself, um, just as special as, as they did, which obviously not many people can do, but I do have a dream to do that. And Kelly, you have, I mean, on thin ice and I've seen the interviews that you've done and talked about it. And I'm going to definitely make sure I sit down and watch it. Cause I'm a person I love to see everything and, and to when I share something with others, I want to know more about it. And I knew more about your music and some acting, but I definitely knew about you as a person. And I was, I admired that. So I want you to know that you have done a lot. I mean, you just talking about equality and sharing that with others. It's important. Like these are discussions that people don't have. Uh, or don't like to have. And so I want you to know that you really are making a huge impact. And we're just so grateful for you to talk about that and to be able to, you know, convey that in film and documentaries. I think you're doing amazing. So I want you to know that. That means so much to me, man. That means so much to me. It's an honor to be on your show today. Really? Oh, wow. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad when people say that because I'm like, I'm just doing something fun. I'm just a person that just reaches out or people reach out to me that I admire. And when you say you wanted to be here, I was like, man, this is just like a dream come true. I feel like because you've done so many great things already and you're just in the beginning of your life. So I'm just so glad to see where you're going to be in the next 20 years for sure. Uh, it's it's really cool to meet like-minded people that want to create change and and give back and uh it's a really special thing so yeah it's it's exciting to see what what you'll do and accomplish and 
how you'll move the podcast forward. And I'm, I'm excited to see it. And uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to what, you know, we can do together. Absolutely. Well, I'm here at 100%. You don't want to see me act. I haven't acted in a couple of years. So I'm going to keep that bag, uh, keep those wherever that bag was left. I'm going to leave it there. But <laughs> but I really want to talk about something I think is really something we need to discuss. And it's something that, that we've been hearing about the last couple of years, but it's had a huge impact even today, COVID-19. And I wanted to um, find out from you if you can explain how has COVID-19 affected you in your career thus far? And do you have any New Year's resolutions for the year 2022? How has COVID affected me so far? And do I have any New Year's resolutions? Okay. Uh, so COVID, how has it affected me? I mean, for one, it forced me to be more proactive and even more driven because at one point sets were gone. Movies were not being made that they were not being, I mean, they were not being shot. They were just, nobody was getting on set. I mean, the, the whole industry was shut down. So what the hell are you going to do when that's pretty much your entire life? So it just forces you to be on your toes and, um, when nobody was making movies or hiring people, uh, I just made my own and, uh, and wrote my own and, uh, you know, now we're making them and we made a lot of movies during the pandemic. And, uh, I'm really proud of that because, um, you know, it, it, it was a unprecedented time and nobody was expecting it. And how you respond to adversity and challenges says a lot about who you are and um, how tough you are. And uh, I mean, I'm a little guy, but I got some bite, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, that. That's uh, a great answer. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely affected me in that way where, you know, it, I just had to be more creative and, um, work with my peers to find new ways to make film and um, just get creative. But I also like, you know, I love to chat with people and get in the elevator and chat and, um, you know, get on the subway and meet people and in the elevator and whatever. And now, you know, you kind of, it's a, it's a weird situation <laughs> where, uh, I, it's it's just like that. Yeah. I mean, the, the pandemic's affected everybody like that, where you wish you can be closer to people and more engaged with people. And uh, it just naturally lifts people's personalities when you're able to do that and engage and having to like turn away uh, and, you know, afraid of, you know, uh, not, you know, spreading the virus. It, it's, uh, you always have to keep it in the back of your mind because ultimately like we're survival mode. And if there's a pandemic, we're like, well, we need to figure, we need to survive. And so like, that's kind of always running through our heads like innately. And then, uh, you also want to be a personable individual and interact and, and it uh, definitely reduces the amount of interactions you can have or, oh, man, if I have to go shoot this movie, I can't go out 
and, and go to a party because I need to test negative or, or I don't want to spread the virus. And so all of these things are, um, or you can't go to a wedding because, you know, you're, you're afraid that it's going to be, um, kind of, you know, a super spreader. And so like all these things that we never had to think about and now we do. And, uh, and that's just, it's just interesting. It's just super interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully it goes away, uh, and, and we can all kind of get back to normal, but we, we definitely have to do our best to, to get there. But, um, yeah, as, as far as, um, what was the second question? Uh, my new year's resolution, right? Yeah. 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 My new year's resolution I wish you asked me this like January 2nd because I definitely would have been able to tell you like 10 of them. Oh, my God, I want to I want to eat less. I want to do this. I want to do that. And now we're at like February. What are we? February 3rd. And I'm like, I forgot about it already. (laughs) Uh, No, uh, I had one. I'll tell you. Cool. You you tell you tell me yours. Then I'll tell you. I, I like the one that you just mentioned, being creative. I think that that is a great New Year's resolution, to always remain teachable and to be creative. To always remain teachable. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I. you know what? On New Year's, like at 12 o'clock, right, maybe like 11.59, right before the ball dropped, it was like me, my wife and my cousin and his girlfriend and like one other couple. And we were sitting at a table and we went around the table and we said, you know, what's your new year's resolution? What's your new year's or what's yours? What's yours? You know, the typical deal. And they came to me and I said, I want to be a better brother, a better son, a better husband. And, uh, a better grandson and a better friend and all of that. And, and I guess, and it just came to me while I was like in the drunk stupor that I was in, but you always have to kind of like think about those things. So I guess, yeah, I mean, that was the first thing that came to my head and, uh, and uh, like relationships, those are the most important things. Like without your family, your friends, your, your close knit, I mean, what do you, what do you got? I mean, at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Um, because like all this other stuff, like the glitz, the glamor, the, like that kind of stuff. And it all goes away. But like, if you, if you have that close knit and your relationships are tight, you're going to feel fulfilled no matter what, you know? So, so yeah. So, I mean, not that I'm not a good brother or a good husband or a good son or whatever, but, uh, I, feel that I am, but I always, I, I want to make a point to always work on that and be better. I agree with that statement. And it's about striving for progression and not perfection. And a lot of times, you know, we lose yeah. sight of that because we're in a world where everything has to be done a certain way, or you have to meet the status quo where someone else might be in comparison. And so I've always been taught to just stay in my lane, focus on me, and I'm not trying to be a carbon copy of anyone else. I want to be, first of all, my name is unique enough. I'm like, I always make a joke. My mom allowed my brother name, to name me and he was three years old. And I tell people, I'm like a three-year-old name. So that, 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 that that's fitting. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
but it's a fun thing because <laughs> you just never know that you know where you're going to end up and my name is unique but also I'm unique and I, I don't want to be like anyone else and I feel like this show is very unique because we see a lot of salacious gossip and negativity on tv and divisiveness on the news and media and it's just great to be in, in a, a shared space where people can be themselves can talk laugh and not be so serious about everything but to talk about serious nature conversations and be respectful in everyone's viewpoint and so that's my whole goal of this show is to always remember where it started and to continue to keep the same message no matter if it's here, if it's syndicated, if it's whatever, or, you know, sponsored, that's not the big deal. The The ultimate goal is about touching one person and that person can, t- can touch someone else. And it creates that ripple effect that will affect hopefully a nation and we'll be able to get back to um, where we need to be as far as being open and honest and willing to make changes. So that's what I think of this show and talking with you, even though we're physically distanced, the social distance part is not the case, you know, and that's, I think that's the message that's been lost on COVID is that we need to socially distance. No, we physically distancing is really the right terminology that I hope that people can understand, but socially we can still interact. Like we can still talk. We can still watch people's nonverbal cues and how people communicate Mm -hmm. in those ways and then connect even beyond the mask. Um, Because we all wear masks. Everyone has worn a mask at a certain point. But when the mask mm-hmm. comes off, like, who are we behind the mask? What what, do, what values do we live by? Um, what is our moral compass? Like, those things are what we do have control of. And so, yeah, I, when I look at this, the new, the new year, I'm glad I'm alive. Mm. Cause... I, just got ch- I just got chills, man. <laughs> I just got chills. That's, oh, that's cool. Thank you. That's really I, cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, when I think of the new year, like I said, it's just about – each day I'm, I'm breathing. There's someone right now that's on a ventilator. There's someone who just lost a family member, a friend, and you know, I'm here and I, I can empathize and feel for them, but I'm not in that family's shoes. And I've lost people close to me as well. And I know how hard it is to lose someone, you know, just that fast. You don't have enough time to process what's going on, but it, it also reminds you of what we do have. And we do have that interconnectedness and we do have a lot of responsibility of, how we share our light with others and what types of seeds that we cultivate and how it grows and where we allow it to grow on within ourselves. So I'm just grateful. Like I said, I'm so glad that you're here because Kelly, like I said, you inspire me. And so when I talk to people who I admire and see what they're doing, it just helps me to know I'm doing the right thing too. And, you know, we can continue to to make the world better by us making the right choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. One more question for you. Um, It's a two-parter. So the first one is, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you tell little Kelly? And then the last part, can you tell our listeners? Yeah. So what would I tell little Kelly? Um, Don't believe everything that is told to you. (laughs) Understand your instinct. Uh, Use your your gut instinct. Uh, And don't be afraid of your gut instinct. Um, Trust yourself. And um, you're going to be good. You're going to be all right. 
I love Dex Kelly. And, and you, you, it's, it's, it's evident, right? You have been all right. You be able to trust your instinct, and you being able to can write, like I said, I can hear. Can you hear me, Kelly? Okay. Yeah, I got a call come in, and it just took me off of the app. Um, okay. So the second question was. You're, well, before we go to the second question, you can just say that was your higher power, just saying, give him a moment, give him some grace, right? <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. Nope. Um, nope. But yeah, no, I mean, the, the younger self, yeah, the, the younger self question is, uh, it's such a good question because, um, you know, you you can try to look back and remember the little problems or, you know, challenges that we had as a kid. And, uh, for me, yeah, I had a lot of challenges, um, growing up in school, uh, thinking that I wasn't smart or, you know, that I had learning disabilities and and that's what I was told. And, uh, and finding my way was a, uh, a beautiful thing. And eventually, you know, I, I found it, I found my voice, I found my passion, um, and I was able to, uh, you know, create, um, a beautiful path that like at the beginning I was very scared of, I, I thought, you know, that I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't cool enough because I, you know, that's the way that I felt in, in school. And when you're young, school kind of like really defines you because you're there every day. It's like when you go to work, like the people that you're around, the way that you feel on a daily basis really kind of uh, creates your, your feelings. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, and to see where I am now and where I was then is just like, yeah, it's such a funny thing to look back because it's like, it's, almost like a con- a completely different person but i was lucky to have an incredible like incredible mentors like my grandfather has always been an incredible mentor to me my mom my dad uh my uncle arthur um and uh having those relationships i think really kind of helped me understand that uh you know, I, I was, I was good enough. I was cool enough. I was smart enough, whatever. Um, I just needed to kind of like find my groove. And, um, so looking back, it's, yeah, like I said, I would probably just say, uh, you're good. Like you're, you're going to be cool, but like, trust yourself, trust your instinct. Now, um, don't believe everything, you know, that's circling around you. You know, what, what people say about you, uh, you know, you'll eventually, you know, think that it's real. The the mind is really powerful. And, you know, if you keep telling yourself, Oh, I'm dumb, I'm dumb, I'm dumb. Like you're going to feel that way. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think eventually, um, yeah, like I said, I would just go back and say, you're going to be all right. Like you're going to find your groove. And, um, yeah. So, uh, that's that. And, uh, and then we get to the second one. What was the second one? (laughs) The second question was, how can our listeners find you online? So if you don't mind giving them your social media handles and if you have a website so that they can follow you and support all your new projects. And if you have anything new you want to plug, this would be a great time so everyone can kind of find it and know where they can find you. 
Awesome. So since we talked about it, definitely go check out On Thin Ice. Um, you know, I, I think the listeners on the show, uh, because of you, uh, Jerry, are, are probably interested in creating change. And if you are, I think you definitely resonate with that film, On Thin Ice, with Allison Felix and Evander Holyfield and Robbie Rogers and Amy Mullins and Greg Luganis, just an incredible group of athletes. Uh, and I think listeners would really get something from that film. Uh, you know, and, uh, my music, uh, something, my, my single, something good came out on January 25th and, uh, and the music video came out as well. Um, and that was a cool thing for me. Uh, you know, my mom's always been a big champion of my music. So to release that was, uh, was a, a cool thing for her and, you know, and for myself. So, yeah, go check it out. It's called Something Good. It's on iTunes, Amazon, uh, YouTube, Amazon Music, um, Apple Music, everywhere music sold. So definitely go check that out. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got tons of films coming out this year. I've got Wolf Mountain. Uh, definitely look out for Wolf Mountain. And um, we'll have a date for that soon. My film Crocodile Creek uh, that I wrote and I'm producing in, in Mississippi is gearing up to shoot. So we're going to have that coming out at the end of the year, which is exciting. Uh, we've got Hunt Club with Mina Suvari and Mickey Rourke uh, that we're going down to Mississippi to shoot. Um, and, you know, Bandit with Mel Gibson and Josh Dumal that I executive produced will be coming out this year. Uh, so it's a it's a really exciting time. And, uh, you know, um, once I have dates for all of those, I'll I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely give them to you guys. Well, I'm just so grateful, Kelly, that you were here today. Like, this was one of the probably the, the most fun I've had in a long time. Like, just being able to laugh, joke, um, talk about a lot <laughs> of things that I think are important. You are very insightful. I think you have a great heart. And I'm just glad that you were able to be on this show with me. And I would love not only to have you back soon, but to be able to keep in contact. And uh, if you ever need me to kind of share and, and push anything you have going, I want to be a part of that because I think you or starting a movement that people can get behind. And I'm just so glad that I was a small part of this journey with you. That means a lot to me, man. And vice versa, like any way I can help, let me know. Um, but no, I think like, honestly, you, you have a way about yourself on the podcast that really allows uh, the person you're interviewing to kind of open up and be themselves and, uh, and that's a really cool thing and you can't teach that. So I definitely admire that about you. And um, thank you so much for having me on the show, man. Anytime. We're just so glad to have you, Kelly. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Well, I'm just glad to have you here, Kelly. And I will definitely have you back very soon. I appreciate it, brother. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your day and tell your family I said, hey, and I'm here for you when you need me. I appreciate right, talk it. Talk with you soon. All right. Take care, man. Okay. Bye-bye.
Thank you. Thank you.